You're listening to the Ministry Grow Show, brought to you by Reliant Creative, the creative agency for gospel-centered ministries. Find out more at ReliantCreative.org. Welcome to the Ministry Grow Show, a podcast dedicated to helping churches and ministries grow and make more effective impacts for the kingdom of God in an ever-changing digital world. Whether you're building and growing a gospel-centered ministry or leading a church, if you want insight into the strategies, struggles, challenges, and successes of other ministry leaders, you've come to the right place. Welcome back to the Ministry Growth Show. Today on the show, I'm going to be talking with Clyde Tabor. He is the director of Visual Story Network. Clyde, thanks for being on the show. It's great to be with you. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about Visual Story Network, maybe what you guys have been up to lately uh, that you're excited about? Uh, what God's doing through the organization, and, and then maybe share how you've pivoted amidst all this COVID stuff. Yeah, we are a young organization, 13 years old, that exists to serve other mission and ministry organizations, helping them accelerate their objectives by the appropriate use of media and story and innovative technology. So we do three things we train leaders, we build global partnerships. And we produce media and equipping resources. And I'll, I'll say this, our newest global partnership is, is called Media to Movements. And it's, it's got an interesting recent lifespan. But the gist of it is we're seeing some very interesting moves, particularly in the church overseas and missions community who are saying we can use media, particularly social media, to run ads and campaigns and kind of do an inbound marketing strategy and identify seekers and persons of peace in the digital world in order to bring them into relationship either in the digital world or in the digital world and the real world so that they can become multiplying disciples. Super excited about that. Like, I think that's going to change the global missions community Mm. in the next five years. That's really cool. Um, Man, that is that is something that keeps coming up in conversation and for us and something that I've really been interested in thinking about and praying about a lot lately is this idea of what digital discipleship can look like, especially in countries where I'm assuming you're working, right? where mm-hmm. you're in unreached people groups, unreached languages. Uh, a lot of times in those places, those regions and locations are hostile to the gospel. And so what could it look like? Uh, especially amidst COVID, I think there's, we've seen that there's a willingness to engage in a digital space much more, especially with my generation. I'm 30, I just turned 34 yesterday, but especially with my generation and younger, there's a greater willingness, it seems, to engage in a digital space than otherwise. And especially in that hostile to the gospel type of location where, um, you know, if, if, if I, want to know about Christ and want to build a relationship with somebody and learn more about this Jesus, uh, I can do that from the secrecy and privacy of my home uh, without the fear of putting myself in danger and doing that. And so uh, that this idea of, of helping the church function better in a digital space and at least begin the conversation around digital, uh, around discipleship and, and start engaging people in that space maybe just as a precursor to a face-to-face relationship, I think is a really, really cool opportunity. So what have you guys, what kind of stuff have you seen in that space, um, especially as COVID has forced us to yes. maybe engage online a little bit more? 
Well, interestingly, Anna, you, you inferred very correctly that there's a lot of places in the world where, you know, I was a, a missionary in Europe for seven years and you could openly kind of identify as a Christian and even openly contact people out in public. And there's just a lot of places in the world where you can't do that. So mm -hmm. the digital world is an amazing way to cast broad nets to find those people who are out there looking. And now in the age, and this has been for 15, 20 years, and this is global, you know, people used to, when they were looking for answers, they would talk to a trusted friend or if they had a mm -hmm. spiritual resource or somewhere, but now it's, we go straight to the internet. And so, mm -hmm. you know, either Google or maybe it's a Facebook or whatever. And so let's meet people there. And so we're seeing that's been happening for years in these restricted access countries. Obviously <laughs> what's happened in the last four or five months in the whole world is like, oh, there's no more disputing the timeliness of digital discipleship yeah. because, well, it's just got, for, you know, just got forced on the church. It's like, oh, sorry, you can't meet in person. How are you going to deal with that? So, so that's just kind of, I think, doing a good thing in terms of forcing the whole church to say, it's just a place we need to occupy. And, and our attitude has always been, we need to approach this from a, a, miss, a missional or a missiological perspective in that we have to go where people are. And that's what I did when I moved to Europe to become a missionary or to the Middle East. I spent some time there. And if people are in digital spaces, that's where we need to incarnate in appropriate ways. And so that's one of the messages that we've had. What's interesting about what's happening that I think is new, particularly, I'll say, in the missions community, there have been a lot of media efforts for 80 years. If you go back to radio and television, you know, where you can broadcast a signal. Mm -hmm. And, you know, then you try to get some kind of a feedback response mechanism where you endeavor to let put people into contact with people and on the ground. It's very, it's historically very, very difficult. And, and it still is. What's changed in the last probably five years is there's there's, there's probably a few dozen working models that we're aware of in the world where people are actually working through a funnel, you know, and think of that as a marketing funnel, but this is a discipleship funnel where you connect with them through an ad campaign or something, you know, you develop a persona at the top of the funnel and you send out empathy marketing messages and blah, 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 and you try to identify where people are at. And then you have different resources or ways to, to bring them into a communication. It could be automated through a chat bot, you know, which is now a great little thing because then you can filter a lot of things out and get down mm -hmm. to that. Two and a half percent sociological studies have said and established in multicultures that any given time, two to two and a half percent of a given culture is open to religious change. So really that's kind of what I think we're after is like, who are they? Who has got it working today right now? Because if I'm going to invest my life in someone, I'd rather invest my energies in that person than somebody who's not quite ripe. And that doesn't say you ignore the ones who aren't, you still love on them. Right. And so we're seeing some more and more models of where there's people who are actually coming through the funnel and, and coming into either digital discipleship or even my preference is still in real world discipleship where they're meeting with people and getting you know plugged in and connected. And that I think is the new thing because that's, that's been the black box that hasn't been cracked, honestly, in, in 70, 80 years. Mm. 
Well, you mentioned two things that I think really stuck stuck out to me. One, first, that black box. We're, I think there's still we're still functioning in our radio and TV days where we're broadcasting and 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 functioning in the social and digital space today, where uh, engagement is there's a there's a opportunity for engagement, but we are still acting like it's radio and TV when we're by, by broadcasting our messages. And so what have you seen that has helped some of your partners, um, just be better at engagement on social rather than just broadcasting a generic message out to everybody? Yeah, I, I think there's always reason to hope. I mean, in the communities that we work with, and I was in a meeting today with some ministries in Asia and, and South Pacific, and they've they've been in the broadcast space for 35 years. And even this morning, and, and this has not just been in the last year, it's probably in the last couple of years, but it's it's relatively recent, I'll say. They're saying, yeah, we've, we can't just broadcast. The motto has always been, well, our calling is to just sow the seed and trust God and his word will not return void. And our, our, our point is, is like, yeah, that's, you know, that, that often just leads to spiritual abortions. And that's not what we're after. You know, mm-hmm. Matthew 28 doesn't say, go therefore and make decisions of all the world. And, you know, no, it's go and make disciples. It's people right. who, who come to understand in such a way that they follow. They keep all the commandments, all that Jesus has taught. That's the end game. And so people are, even some of these very historical, you know, monodirection broadcasts, Ministries are going, okay, you know, we're doing it. And even most, and we've worked with a variety of like satellite broadcasters in the Middle East, you know, at the very least. Well, no, I'd say they've got a lot of, they're using social media pages. They're using call-in centers, which has always been the case. Hmm. Um, they're doing Zoom meetings and Zoom church. And they're doing, a, there's a lot of really cool innovation taking place, especially That's where cool. it's hardest because you're kind of forced, kind of like right. here in America for the first time, it's like, Ah, oh, nuts. We can't meet. <laughs> okay. Right. That's going to force some innovation. Yeah. How do we, how do we pivot in a situation like that? Hmm. And, and the other thing that you, you talked about was, uh, or you touched on was where people are, where attention is obviously attention, like it or not, the global attention is now on this little tiny device that's in our pockets. And, and that's just the case anywhere you go. That's not yes. a, that's not a Western thing. That's a global thing. And so uh, the, I think there's a, maybe we're seeing a weakness in the church's ability to function in the place where attention is. And so how, mm. how would you encourage ministries who still haven't got on board, even amidst COVID, like, hey, we're kind of forced into this. They're still, ah, oh, we want to get back to normal, uh, quote unquote normal. How do how would you encourage ministries to to jump on board and and say hey let's start communicating and and being and sharing stories and communicating our messages in the place where attention is and move away from maybe these traditional old uh, specifically in the marketing realm models where those those models just keep not working as well more and more year after year yeah I, great question I. I'd say first, it's kind of what you, you said is, is there's a, just have that theological understanding that missions or being missional means incarnation. Incarnation means being with and where, being with people where they are. And, you know, 
that's why Jesus became flesh. And so if people are, you know, there's crazy statistics, you know, I haven't even seen good recent ones, but you know, in America, 10 years ago, the last time a good study came out that I'm aware of, the average American youth was spending 10 10 hours and 45 minutes on media a day, you know, in Mm. seven and a half hours of time. That was 10 years ago. I, I, and I, I haven't seen good studies since like, that's ridiculous, but that's where people are. Mm-hmm. And that's not just young people anymore. If we're really honest and I'm 57, you know, hey, look, you know, now we've got, if you have an iPhone, you get that little notification on Sunday mornings at 9 a.m. that say, hey, look how much time you spent <laughs> on your <laughs> phone. And most people don't even open it because they're just too embarrassed. Just admit yeah. what's real. Make that theological shift. Like, hey, this is where people are. Hey, this is where I'm at. It's where my kids are. It's where my spouse is at. And uh, let's let's incarnate there. Then the question becomes, what are the on-ramps? And there's just all kinds of on-ramps. And one of the things that we teach, and we've got a variety of resources that we can give links for, is this idea of it's just, it's just simple strategy development. You say, okay, who are we? Who are we called to be? Who are we called to influence? And then you reverse engineer. And you go, then, if we're going to reach the 30,000 people within five miles of a certain place on a map, if that's, you know, the, the core audience, or in some cases, some organizations go for countrywide or even continent-wide audiences. In fact, the group I was meeting with today is that's touch a billion people. So they're, they're touching digitally a million people a day. Wow. Uh, in like 35 countries. Um, it's just not that hard actually. Uh, but then the question becomes what we've already addressed is then what do you do with those? You've got to bring them into a funnel, into a filter that allows them to be connected. So I'd say figure out your goal and then start reverse engineering. How can we use social media? How can we use mobile platforms, whatever that may be to connect with our audience? And A, it's both reaching and teaching. And so that's where I make this other divide. Let's reach them where they're at. And then, you know, there's ways that we can resource and teach them where they're at. And again, I'm not saying that's the end game. That's like, oh, let's just all be happy if, if we've got great numbers on a view or a like or what have you. It needs, there, it needs to be transformational. It needs to be discipleship oriented. So it needs to go way beyond what we call vanity metrics. You know, like, oh, right. we likes and views. Nah, that doesn't really say anything. We have to look at into those, those ways that we can measure actual transformation. Yeah. Well, I think that that's kind of maybe the barrier we're at right now with watching how the church is interacting and digital is how many people are watching our Sunday service. And that just is the metric right now. And you're starting to see ministries go beyond that and say, okay, well, maybe that's not what digital discipleship looks like. And so let's, let's move beyond that. Look, at the end of the day, digital discipleship can't be a long-term, isn't going to be able to be a long-term discipleship relationship. But like we said early on in the conversation, it is a great opportunity to start the relationship and start the conversation and engage uh, and then use that as a tool to move towards um, maybe a face-to-face or a a more, you know, one-on-one type relationship with an individual or a community of of people. So, and amen. And I, can I just add one more thing? I mean, just to set the bar to the level that Jesus set it, and it's a high bar. And I, you know, cut me and I believe Matthew chapter 28, 16 through 20. It's, you know, go therefore make disciples uh, in a, of all the nations, baptizing, teaching to observe all that I've tended you. So that means then there's, there's, it's a built in reproduction. So 
a, a truly mature follower of Jesus makes other truly mature followers of Jesus who do the same and so on. Right. Like, and that's, that's hard, but it's happened in history and it's happening. Mm-hmm. There are a variety of measurements out there where the, you know, particularly like in Asia, there's, there's these multiple generations of discipleships and churches that are, are extraordinary. We're like, where there was nothing 10 years ago, there are 16 dis- generations of disciples 10 years later. Like, what? That's crazy. But it's possible. It's happening. That's great. I want to shift a little bit. Um, what are your thoughts on storytelling in our current digital space, like our current digital landscape? How, do, how are you encouraging your partners to storytell well? In, in the well, digital the first, world. That's a great question. And you're getting again some of my hot buttons. So yeah, with a visual story network. And I the first step for me is especially for for most like pastors and communicators, and frankly, anybody who's trying to incarnate, is we tend to lead with information. So my first thing would be before you story well, story at all. <laughs> like just <laughs> just try story. And, and, and so that's, I have, a, I have another link. It's my store, dare to story challenge. Like here's seven steps you can take to just start yourself personally on a storying journey. So just start, you know, so that includes things like telling your own story, recognizing good stories, being able to communicate oral stories and all of that. And then of course we deal with a lot of media and then how do you do that in visual mediums? So first of all, is just a start, start. I beg you to start. Um, we're all hardwired for story. We recognize good story. You can't walk away from a compelling story. Uh, we started to watch and I was surprised I'd like it. Uh, Hamilton, the musical on Disney plus last night. And I'm like, Oh, who wants to watch a theater production on screen? Like, that's just horrible. (laughs) I'm hooked. We only got an hour in and like, uh, my my family had other plans. I'm like, we got to finish. And they're like, Oh, we'll do it tomorrow. Totally hooked. Like I could not walk away. The story was compelling. Um, so a start and B then, then just get better, you know? So whatever you're, we're all communicators. We all love story and there's different kinds of story, but just start, you know? And so if you're a preacher, tell stories, you know, if, you know, if you're doing any kind of campaigning, you gotta lead with stories, you know, the, the, yeah. the things that I click on or, or that gaze or hold my gaze for more than three seconds are, are something with a story hook. Uh, yeah. You know, so anyway, in fact, <laughs> so I was, I don't know, I was on something on YouTube this morning and then there was, of course I had to wait for the ad, but the ad was a story. I watched that thing for 30, 40 seconds until I had to realize like, oh, they're selling me some bracelet. Uh, they got secret, me. Secret charms, you know, but <laughs> they got me to that point because they told a story. Yeah. Yeah. Now, are you guys using any storytelling structures that you feel have helped you and your partners engage with audiences. Yeah, I, yeah, I noticed so that. Uh, I we, noticed a couple of articles on your site discussing yeah, like the three-hour story yeah, and the hero's I mean, journey. Yeah, part of my calling is just help the average like missional Christian to be thinking in story through story lenses. You know, so that you know you can get into any directions. You know, three-act structure. What does that mean? It's a story has a beginning, middle, and end. That's really what it means. And you can tell a you know a thirty-second three-act story as just as you can do a three-hour feature-length film with a three-act mm-hmm. story. 
So, you know, there's that. And then we talk about the four elements of story. A story is comprised of a character face or facing a problem while overcoming opposition and the resolution. So it's like, oh, does my story have those things? If you don't, it's really probably, it's not a story. You may have a plot, you may have some characters, you may have whatever, but you don't really have a story, you know? So helping people that, and then you get into deeper stories, especially if you're crafting story that's got more depth, whether that's written or filmed. Um, we've, we've just very interestingly taught a course. Uh, we have a teaching platform online called missionmediau.org. And so we've taught a course called story using story and ministry. And so we do all those things. There's 10 elements of store or 10, 10 elements of character and four elements of story. And, uh, I forgot anyway. Um, I don't teach the course. I'm the Jack of all trades, master of none. We're pivoting <laughs> and we're relaunching that course, uh, in October, to take a, a much more intentional shift towards, it's, it's called strategic storytelling. It's how do you tell stories that fit into the context of your strategy, your ministry desired outcomes. And again, it's just, when you think about it, you go, oh, this is not that complicated. It's just surprising how many people, and we're all you know, when we have an idea, typically what an idea does, it sits somewhere in our head and we go, oh, that's an interesting idea. And then like a small percentage of the people who get an idea actually act on that idea. And then out of that small percentage of the population who, who acts on an idea, they create, they write, they film, whatever, then they they only get to the, the after they've created their story and they go, oh, who's going to, who's this for? <laughs> who's going to watch it? Who's going to read it? Who's going to look at this? And you, you know, you find you've climbed a mountain only to realize there's another one behind that. And that's just the whole, the marketing distribution, et cetera thing. So one of our pivots here with this newer course is to just kind of reverse engineer and just say, before you create anything that's story driven, you know, and again, this, our audience is, is, is mission practitioners, churches, pastors, mission leaders, um, you know, what, what kind of stories do you want to tell? What do you want them to achieve? Who are they trying to reach? What's the persona that it's intended for? How are they going to respond to that story? How long does it be? What's the platform? What's the technology? You know, if it's on social media, yeah. I, I, the group that I was meeting with today said their stories are one to three minutes long. I'm like, oh, wow, that's really long. But they have a, and this is in Asia, they have a really high view rate. Like uh, they, they get, a, this is the one that said they have a million people watching between one and three minutes a day of a story. And I'm going, oh, wow. wow, that's longer than I would have advised. You know, if, if you're going online where, you know, I'd say you're looking for four, thir- 40 to like 80 to 90 seconds, you know, tell a good story in that amount of time. Uh, and then maybe you can, you know, segue that into another story and do something episodic. And we have a number of partners that are doing that kind of thing. But yeah, just just do it. But keep it short. Right. And, and I, there was a lot of stuff that was inferred there. Know your audience, your platform. Anyway, mm, that's so good. Um, how have you specifically implemented that hero's journey that you talk about with your partner's marketing work? What yeah, does that I think, kind of look like? Yeah, I mean, I, for, for me, and this this is probably stealing more from the story branding. And there's tons of books out there on this stuff. Uh, in fact, we have a bunch of them listed on our wiki page. Again, another link. Uh, you know, it's especially if you are marketing your service, your product, your ministry, whatever that is, 
you know, it's the idea that's pretty unsettling, but very powerful. And I, I think the big pivot in the marketing world, as I understand it, is, you know, it's like, oh, my product's not the hero. <laughs> right. The client or the customer's the hero. How can I give them a superpower they don't know, they, they don't yet possess, so that they can achieve what it is that they want to achieve? Mm. Um, and so even in our marketing and just, you know, with our own stuff that we do to our audiences, which again, our mission practitioners is like, well, here's how we can help you accelerate your mission by using media story and innovative technology. So that's probably the bigger thing. And then again, we don't go deep, deep into the hero's journey, but I'm just big on a theology of story that we're all on a journey. Our lives are a story people live out of narratives that are far too small. So if, if we as followers of Jesus are doing a decent job of anything, we are, we are helping re people reimagine their story. It's capturing imagination and then helping them reimagine a story in which they're at the center, but also with Jesus. That's, I think, our task, you know, for non-believers is like, we've got the greatest story, but how well do we we portray it and reveal it that just invites people in, you know, mm. that's for me, the secret sauce. That's really cool. Now on your site, you guys break down things into three categories, media story and technology. And you touched on this a little bit, but why do you feel it's so important that ministries have a good understanding of those three aspects or are you depending on the ministry pushing one or the other depending on their needs? Yeah. We, as we've, as we were started in 2007, you know, it was kind of like, wow, what, how is the world just changing at that tectonic level media? You know, we were overseas in, in, in Europe in, two, in the 1990s. We came back. One of the shocks that I came back to, and you know, this is, we came back 20 years ago. is was like, in America, this hadn't hit Europe at that point in time. Like there were screens on top of in gas stations, on top of fuel pumps. I'm like, why is there a 22 inch screen on top of my fuel pump? I'm like, <laughs> that's it. Just it just irked me. But it's the same reason that I get irked in a restaurant because it's hard to find a restaurant where you can sit and not have a 48 inch screen. You know, somewhere over my spouse's, my wife's shoulder. Yeah. And I'm like, drives me nuts. Uh, do, do, I, do I like that? Do I like how much people spend time? No. Um, but it is. So if that's the case, media screens have saturated the world. Again, the world. So again, if that's the, if that's the case, we need to be able to, be, to incarnate in those places on those screens. Story, because there's so much media, then... <laughs> There's a lot of noise, right? You know, YouTube, broadcast right. yourself. Everybody's got a phone. You push a red button. You hit another send, and you've 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 told you've you've recorded something, and you've broadcast it. What does that mean? Noise is what that means. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of media noise, you know. So whether that's the four zillion videos on YouTube or the five hundred channels on cable or whatever that is. For me, then, the way to differentiate is through story. That good story will always, always break through the noise. And then technology. And so the, the areas where we particularly focused is those recent technological revolutions. And 
Two of those communities are global partnerships that we've begun. One is the Mobile Ministry Forum. Again, you've already said it, but the mobile revolution, the mobile phone device, most rapidly adopted technology in human history. There are 6.7 billion people on the planet. There are, I don't know, I think there's 8 billion mobile phone subscriptions. Like, like how crazy is that? Mm. Uh, and that's not because everybody has a phone. That's because a lot of people have two phones, you know, right. for different reasons and whatever. Um, but that's, again, the reality. That mobile phone has changed, especially when you go into and to second and third world nations. That phone that whatever that is, and, and even now, you're, you know, you've got the rate of dumb phones losing market share and even cheap smartphones taking on a lot of market share. That phone is everything. That's their communication platform. It's their financial you know, transaction mechanism. It's their entertainment center. It's, it's everything. It's everything. And again, if that's the case, what are the implications? We're just asking you, whoever, if you're trying to reach an audience, particularly in a second or third world country, you have to be thinking about that particular technology. And then the new one, the newest community, we have an augmented and virtual reality network of learners. Like, okay, what does that mean? I don't know, man. The adoption for AR and VR is a lot slower than mobile, but it's much more transformative. And so we're just trying to say to innovators and early adopters, get out in front of this because there's just huge opportunities. So, you know, one of our partners has led and I think is still the only virtual reality church. You can go to vrchurch.com and uh, oh, wow. got like five online churches like in VR. Um, it's, it's, it's extraordinary, you know, because people are spending time there and DJ just said, well, then I need to be there. And it's extraordinary what you can do. Interesting. So let's explore that a little bit more. What, what are you guys, are you just playing with the idea right now? Are you encouraging, you're obviously encouraging ministries to, to start playing in this field of virtual reality. What does that kind of look like? Yeah. And so that one is still kind of fuzzy. So, you know, mainly you've got, you've got, you know, like DJ doing VR church. There are a couple of universities that offer like a VR related degree, like Oral Roberts has one, or at least a certificate. Um, the, the main limitation for VR right now is the, is the adoption of, and the purchase of headsets. Right now you require a pretty big expensive headset. Now they've come down from $800 to like $200, um, to get a good one, but that's still uh, a barrier to entry for a big chunk of the world's population. Right. Um, so, but you know, so the way it's, the way it's sort of happening right now, there are some innovators out there who are making films in VR, or creating experiences where there's like, you know, it's like a mobilization thing. Hey, go on a 360 degree trip on through an African village and see what it's like to provide water or to provide, you know, resources to somebody that's just been hurt by, you know, a natural disaster. So it's, it's, it's still early on and those, those, there's a lot of, you know, failure, which is normal. Um, our son has a company that it's a for-profit that's all about teaching people to learn languages in immersive in the immersive realm. So uh, which is my company is immerse.online. You know, so there's companies out there for nonprofits, it's gonna be slower. But then if you move into the augmented reality, that's just where you look at your uh, the world through a lens and it's augmented in some way, you know. So when you do when I don't do these, but you go on Instagram and somebody's got the bunny ears, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> 
the cat whiskers, that's, that's augmented reality. Um, and so the only, like the person, the group that I know that's done the most that comes to mind is the Museum of the Bible has done a lot with that, where, you know, you go into a museum and you can pull out your phone and look at something in an augmented fashion through that lens. Uh-huh. So our whole point is, it's like for those who are able, A, if you're not able, at least be aware. And B, you know, if it fits into your ministry strategy, um, dare and try, you know, make some, do some initiative, early steps of exploration, you know, iteration and, and see what happens. And then that's part of why we exist. And this is what we're pretty good at is we find the innovators and early adopters. If you know anybody who's an innovator or an early adopter in any of these particular spaces, send them to us because that's where, as I said earlier, we catalyze trying to get people to think in certain ways, but then we connect them with relationships and resources. And that's where it's, it's pretty cost effective to end it. You know, like, Oh, here's the 10 people who are doing something before I spend a hundred thousand dollars. I might as well learn from the people who've done this already learn from their mistakes, you know, and, and most people are willing, certainly in the nonprofit space, but oftentimes in the for-profit space in the Christian community say, Hey, here's our learnings. Here's what you need to know. Here's what you need to avoid. Let's share and create a learning a, a learning community. That's very powerful. Mm. Yeah, it, it just kind of seems like that in, in particular, the virtual reality, augmented reality, those are uh, maybe a little bit uh, still dependent on technologies to come that will drop the cost barriers. Yeah, yeah. it hasn't been commoditized at this point. No, the barrier to entry is pretty high. I mean, especially when you look at a global level. Right. I mean, we have, like you mentioned, the experience, uh, uh, a woman walking to get water and back with, I think Charity Water's done that. We talked about that offline where you can experience that in a, at least, I think they've done three, 360 degree video and their experiments with some of that stuff that they're early adopters trying to play with the idea, see what it could do to, what benefit it could be to give a, you know, a potential donor here in the States, a view of what that looks like without traveling to that location. So yeah, uh, it's interesting yeah. to see where, where all that goes as, as we progress. And as uh, I'd love to follow up with you guys on, on where you see this going with your ministry partners. Absolutely. Um, to shift one last time, um, art, artistic expression, right. Is, is I think crucial in the ministry, in ministry work and, you know, especially ours as a creative agency, I'm sure with you guys and your partners, can you walk us through uh, your mindset in regard to creativity, creative expression and how it plays out in your work um, and, and the discipleship space, the digital discipleship space? What do you think the importance is in creativity within the church and, and how can, uh, how can the bride use creativity and creative expression for, for God's glory and, and greater kingdom impact? Dude, you're just hitting me. You're plucking all my strings. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. Uh, again, and I, I always think missionally, you know, you don't do something just because it might be fun. I, I just, this is how God's hardwired me is let's think missionally. We're on mission. We're incarnating. We're called to reflect and reveal God's glory. What are the best ways to do that? Um, and then, you know, so there's so many expressions of the way individuals and communities do that for the glory of God. But again, as the world just becomes more saturated, I would suggest, you know, in this media inundation, there's just a lot that is disheartening or demeaning. 
uh, or downright violent. And so, you know, or just shock, you know, so a lot of things, whether it's a product or a story, an episodic thing or other, you, you know, you can always sell through shock, right? You can see the shock value. But if when something is good, true and beautiful and innovative, you know, Paul talks about that, it arrests our attention and it, it, it strikes the chords of that, which is the most deep in us, the truest part of ourselves who know at our core that that which is good and true and beautiful is what I should be drawn towards. So as followers of Jesus, that's the kind of product or service or community we should be about creating. And I, I'm big on this very simple theological construct. All humanity is created in the image of God. God who made the heavens and the earth is the one who's shared that image with all humanity. We're all partakers in that Imago day. And so that gives us all this extraordinarily, uh, I mean, extraordinary potential for creativity. And thus, you know, any creative initiative in the history of humankind, you look at that and you marvel and you go, well, if you really pull that back, peel that back, it's, it, it goes back to the image of God that, that enabled that. Well, then we as believers, says the New Testament, are, are indwelled by the Spirit of God. And then you go back to the beginning of the story and you go, well, who is the Spirit of God? Well, the Spirit of God is the one that the scriptures say hovered above that which was formless and void. And what did the Spirit do? The Spirit brought about form and function, brought about beauty into chaos. Now, if that Spirit who brought form and function out of that which was formless and void indwells us who are in Christ, and we already have the Imago Dei, like we have a superpower <laughs> over right. the rest of humanity, and we should be exercising that superpower. Now, I'm a, I'm a bit facetious. Creativity is something that's cultivated. I mean, we all have creativity. Having craft and skill and talent comes with effort. So I'm not suggesting that that comes easily. But I'd, I would suggest that we, as God's people, should be encouraging those creative talents within each of us that allow them to have expression and then find ways to put them into mission uh, and, you know, and get better at that. And then, then those things that are good and true and beautiful and noble that are reflected in the, in the biblical narrative will draw people to, to it. You know, Jesus said, if, if I be lifted up, I'll, you know, I'll draw them into me. But there's part of that lifting up that that's this classic archetypal, you know, Messiah story. I mean, you know, mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis said, you know, Jesus was the myth that became true. Um, you know, those are the kinds of things that we can be doing. And you can do that in a marketing campaign. And we should be doing those things in a marketing campaign. And this is, I'm sure you say this to your friends and your colleagues and so forth, but it's, you know, just that you could, derivative isn't bad. Derivative works. You know, if you say, hey, here's a good over here, we're just going to try to apply it. That's great. That's, that's, that's fine. But there's so much that's not been done that needs to be tried. Like I'm like DJ Soto. He goes, I'm going to start a VR church. Well, I think he's still the only one who's done it. He's been doing it for like three years, but he's way out there in front. I'm like, good for you, bro. You know, that's just mm. something that's really unique, you know? We, we should be thinking beyond just derivative, like, you know, copying the latest cool thing. 
Yeah, I, I think you see that a lot in the ministry space is, you know, this or this or that organization is doing it and they're big and successful. So that's what we should be doing. And instead, what what is the uniqueness of our ministry? What is What do we uniquely offer? What can we uh, what's going to fit our audience well, and 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 how can we? You know, not, not everything that works for the big organizations that seem to be doing everything right is going to work for a small, medium-sized organization. Yeah. Um, and you know, we talked. We've talked to plenty of those larger organizations, and and every single one of them to this day have all said, "We are still trying to figure this out." ourselves and and we don't have all the answers and you know the stuff that was working 10 15 years ago is not working anymore and so we're having to re-strategize just the same as everybody else and so i i encourage our small to medium-sized partners like hey just because these big organizations are doing it it you know internally they are making shifts they're trying to get away from it because but they're they're oftentimes ships that can't turn very well and, and because you're small and medium-sized whatever you have an ability to be a lot more nimble and try some new things yes. that uh, that are um, not being done by those organizations just because the cost of it at that size would just be too immense. And so take the – while you're small, while you're uh, still upstarting, take the opportunity to to try new things and, and do things that you know some of those bigger organizations aren't doing. I totally agree. I totally agree. Here's just a resource that's been helpful to us. I, I know a lot of others. It's just the book Traction. It's a it's a marketing book, but you, it comes to mind because the whole point is, is, hey, there's 19 or 20 marketing channels out there. You put them in a bullseye and figure out which ones you really want to experiment with. And then you fully accel- you know, accelerate, push hard on the one that seems to be working at a given time. But no, very well. It ain't going to last forever. If it's innovation today, it's going to be you know crowded market tomorrow. Right. And so you just always have to have those next things spinning at that second tier that can become your first tier thing. When that first tier thing all of a sudden loses its its mojo. Mm, that's so good. Well, Clyde, that was that was awesome. I think uh, I think we're going to end there because that was so beneficial and valuable i think um so let's let's call it quits there uh if people want to get a hold of you learn more about visual story network uh just ask you questions how can they get a hold of you you can go to visualstory.org or just email me clyde at visualstory.org awesome and then clyde can i pray for you and your ministry we love that Awesome. Father, I just lift up Clyde, uh, his team at Visual Story Network. I uh, pray that you would just continue to use this ministry and use Clyde and his team to uh, bless and lead and train and grow ministries and um, just interacting uh, in the digital space, using media for your glory to make disciples who make disciples. And Father, uh, I pray that you would um, give them vision and direction as they lead others that um, that we would all, your church, your big C church would mm-hmm. um, pivot in this time and take this opportunity that COVID has presented to function well in digital. Uh, there's awesome opportunities to make disciples for your name and for your glory in this space. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I just pray that the church would be nimble in that and be willing mm-hmm. to try new things and be creative and um, get out there and, and make disciples in a space that just seems 
weird and uncomfortable and awkward at times, um, but there are opportunities. We're seeing it, and uh, I pray that you would um, just go, go before all of us in this as we try to figure this out. Nobody is an expert in this. This is all new. Um, this is you know, you know better than anyone. This is one of the greatest shifts in communication in human history. And so we're all learning and trying new things. And I pray that you would guide the church well, that she would be, mm-hmm. um, so she would function beautifully in this space, Lord. We love you so much. We thank you that we get to be a part of what you are doing. Um, you have always and will always continue to go before us in this. And so we can just come alongside you and um, and we get to be partners in you in this because of your invitation. So thank you for that. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. All right, Clyde. Thank you so much. We appreciate you being on the show and uh, we wish you guys the best. Thanks so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the ministry grow show. If you enjoyed it, we'd appreciate it if you rate and or review us on the iTunes store and make sure you subscribe. So you never miss an episode. If you have a story to share with other ministry directors and pastors, or know someone who would be an incredible guest on the Ministry Grow Show, let us know. We love connecting with ministry executives and sharing their wisdom and insight with our audience. Just send us an email at info at reliantcreative.org. And lastly, if you need help telling your ministry story, we would love to share how we can help in that process. Check out Reliant Creative at reliantcreative.org. See you next time.